11.33, Anna Devlantis in for King John today. Good to be with you. Hope your Monday's going well. We have a strong focus on today's show, you'll notice, on your money, on the financial world. There's so much going on. It's such a challenging environment, and I think all of us are kind of trying to make sense of it. Inflation, we hear talk of recession, we see gas prices, they nudge down a little, but it's still it's still high, right? We're feeling the, the pinch of the prices at the grocery store and just about everywhere you shop going up, and we're all kind of wondering, you know, what's next. So we're trying here at WGN to provide some perspective for you. And the folks at Calamos Investments, a locally based investment firm, $40 billion under management, they've loaned us some of their top guys, their top people to break it down for us and give us some perspective. Matt Freund is here with us. He's the co-CIO, head of fixed income strategies at Calamos. And Matt, you're always so good at explaining these complex things and and helping me. And I, I hope our listeners understand. So thank you for being with with us. Oh, it's my pleasure. All right. So um, where should we start? What, 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 how would you explain what's happening here? Where would you want to begin? Would you say the headlines about our economy, there are some conflicting information we're getting, well, and it's sure. hard to make so, sense of it. Sure. So let's go back and, th- and talk about how we got here. So two years ago, we had this COVID lockdown. Um, we were more concerned about health than we were about the economy. We shut everything down. Uh, We got through the worst of COVID and we saw activity levels just skyrocket. It was a sugar high. It was how kids feel when they have a big dessert. So we were feeling great, but it was unsustainably high. So what we're seeing now is, you know, the sugar is wearing off. And because of that, things are cooling down. So we are seeing a slowdown. We're actually seeing a very fast slowdown from that sugar high. But it's hard to call it a recession, at least a recession that we've typically had from the past. So we're coming down a lot, but we're not hitting these severe levels. That sugar yet. felt really good for a while, though. I yes, got to tell you, it it, I mean, it's like sugar coated gummy bears or whatever. I mean, whatever your sweet tarts and all of it together. It felt good. You saw your 401ks rising. You saw your stocks rising. And I got to say, there's something um, visceral. There's something emotional about watching all of that come down, even if there's sort of a natural ebb and flow of the market and that someone like you could stand here and say this is perfectly healthy and this is OK. It's all going to be OK in the end. It is emotional. So all of that's true. It is healthy. It is not a problem with the markets. It's a feature of the markets. Markets uh, tend to overdo things and then reverse, but you are 100% right. Even for professionals, bear markets are emotionally draining. So the idea that you're winning by losing less is hard to cheer for. Mm-hmm. Um, but what experience has shown me is that I actually make my the most money in bear markets It just takes a while to find it out. So you're going to quickly go from why did I buy so much because prices are trending down to why didn't I buy more after the recovery kicks in, after we work through some of these uh, roadblocks that Mm -hmm. are in our way. So it is emotionally difficult. You know, one of the analogies I use is to think about going to the dentist. Um, You can think about it. You know it's healthy. You know it's required. But when you're sitting in the chair, you may not. Um, enjoy the experience, no, but you know what? Rarely do. It, it's needed. You you uh, are going to come out better, and you just have to plan. All right, Matt Freund. I know you're a top finance guy at Calamos. I want you to play the role of therapist for a second here. 
Uh, let's talk generationally. Okay, you're you're young, you're a millennial, you, you've dabbled in the market, you've got a 401k, but you've got a lot of runway. So this shouldn't be as scary to you. However, I do hear from those folks, they've been very actively involved in trading, more so than I was when I was their age. They During the pandemic, a lot of them started understand trying to understand the market and far ahead of where I was at that age. And maybe trading in tech stocks that they understand, but they've seen those get kicked around like crazy 40 50 60 percent down yeah what do you what do you tell them okay so the the most important thing is to understand your time horizon so um you can be very short term and very tactical uh you can be very long term in your planning and, it, and it's important to distinguish between the two because the drivers of the two are totally different so if you're a short-term investor the rate of change matters the most Levels don't matter. It's are things going up and down? What's that next headline going to be? How are how is the launch going to go? The new product or the earnings release? Very short term, very technical, um, if uh, and tactical. If you are a long term investor, it's not the change that matters as much. It is the absolute level or the valuation. So if you're a long term investor. You've got a couple great things you can do. One is dollar cost average. So you buy the same amount every week or every month as prices fall. You're buying more and you're going to ricochet on the other side. Mm -hmm. The other thing is having a a 60-40, 70-30, whatever your risk tolerance is, and rebalancing periodically. It is forcing you to sell things that are high relative uh, and buy things that are cheaper. So long-term investors, this is great. Shorter-term tactical investors, it is much harder, and the volatility, we, we think it's here to stay. Okay, so let's go to the mid-range now. Maybe you're 10 or 20 years from retirement. You've you felt like you've built up a nice enough nest egg, or you're not quite right. at your goals yet, but you at least you were feeling much more comfortable a few months ago than you are today. Sure. And you're trying to wonder, well, well how do I navigate this? What, what do I do? So for, for those investors, so here's the great news. There is a wide range of choices available today that you didn't have just six and nine months ago. So fixed income securities, yields on bonds, on uh, short-term parts of the market are very, very attractive. Bank loans, we think, are attractive here. Preferred stocks, they were yielding zero or very close to it just a year ago. Mm -hmm. So you have more choices. We would encourage you to take them. The second thing is to consider alternatives. Traditional asset classes uh, haven't worked quite so well to start the year. We have been really trying to focus on some of the alternative parts of the market. It's a little niche. You need professional guidance, Mm -hmm. but they help um, with diversification. And then the last thing that I'd point out is you really have to understand your risk tolerance. You have to understand why you're positioned that way uh, and stay true to the plan that you went into the market with. Again, reacting in this very emotionally driven market is generally a mistake. So I would encourage you to Get a plan, stick with the plan. And then those of our listeners who may be at retirement, near retirement, some of those people did flee to the bond market because it's considered less risky. And that hasn't necessarily proven for everybody to be a great choice. They're hurting too. Yeah. So uh, again, it's, it's a mixed bag uh, because it's, it's mathematical. If interest rates go up, prices decline. It's not because we're not good at what we do. It is the math of of bond investing. But now that rates have gone up a little bit, we do think there's attractive opportunities. So on the front end of the curve, so very short maturities out 
for a year or two, investors can get uh, north of 3%. Hmm. Not a lot of volatility. Um, very, very liquid. We think that's an attractive place to hide over money markets. And then on the credit side of things, uh, for people who are heavily invested in stocks, we think high yield is attractive. So high yield securities... I started in the business in the late 1980s, and the rule of thumb used to be you got two-thirds of an equity return, but with half the vol. Uh, I I think it's priced – that's right, volatility. And Mm -hmm. I think it's priced very attractively to do a little better than that. This is why when people like you – I mean, you you do this best at Calamos Investments, managing people's money, because at times like these, it's so much more challenging than it was – it was last year, let's face it, oh, when everything sure. was going up and we all felt like we had control of it. Now it's it's trickier. I want to get into some advice you may have overall, where you see the strength in the market, where you see the weaknesses in our market and our economy. Matt Freund is our guest. He's the co-CEO, uh, CIO of Head and Head of Fixed Income Strategies at Calamos Investments. More in a moment here on WGN. Matt Freund is with us. He's the co-CIO, Head of Fixed Income Strategies at Calamos Investments. Now you you manage... $2 billion in equities, not a small amount, I'd say. So you are in the position that, you, you know, you, you're picking what sectors you like and what you don't. Right now, we're hearing so much negative news, Matt. It really is, um, it, it's hard to find opportunities in this market. And I just wonder what you can tell us. Well, so we always watch and look for opportunities where we're being very well paid for the risks we're taking. Uh, and we do think there's some opportunities out there. I mean, the The markets always climb a wall of worry. There's a lot of things to worry about. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I do think that we're seeing prices um, start – there's some attractive bargains out there. So where? So on the growth side, we do like – I call them fortress growth. These are companies with very strong balance sheets that generate just enormous amounts of cash uh, that have pretty wide moats, pretty defensive positions – and are going to do well regardless if the economy softens or takes off again. So, you know, these are some of the the larger tech names. I, I, I don't want to spot, talk yeah. about individual names per se, but we think those are attractive uh, small cap stocks. So small caps are uh, – you typically would have to pay up uh, to, to buy the smaller, more nimble, more dynamic parts of the market. Now they're about the same valuation as the large cap brothers. So uh, we like that. And then on the, you know, sometimes we call them value stocks or cyclical growth stocks. Uh, On that side, you know, we're seeing some very attractive valuations in places that are benefiting from not just the reopening, but the the uptick. So energy is one. Uh, We do think there's some opportunities there, but airlines have done well. Some select financials have done well. so and defense stocks have done well. So we we see a lot of opportunities. Uh, I want to break. Uh, I want to move into energy in a second. A lot of people have that on their mind, no doubt about it. I'm just going to read a text here, Matt. Hang on a second. Uh, it is about. I hate it when people talk about the price of gas being about five dollars because in our area, of course, in the Chicagoland area, it's much more than that. With a lot of the taxes. Uh, yesterday, eight four seven says I paid five sixty nine a gallon in Schaumburg. It cost me nearly 70 bucks to fill up. It's crazy expensive. So even though we are seeing those prices come down, uh, John Kadunas, the CEO of Calamo, said that might be temporary. We don't know. It's not what we want to hear, but we're looking out and thinking, how long can we keep paying this to fill up our tank? 
What do you think about that? Yeah. So, well, well, first, it's painful for everyone. So that's absolutely true. But you nailed, um, I think, a key distinction that people don't realize. When you look at the, the, the price you pay per gallon, the, the poor gas station owner is only getting two or three cents of that. You have a lot going in taxes. You have a lot going to refiners. There, there's uh, a bit of trivia. So 1977 uh, was an important year. It was the year I started high school. And it was the <laughs> last, uh, it was the year the last standalone refinery was started in the United States. Huh. So think about a long that. Time we ago. haven't started, we're, we're not investing in that infrastructure. So um, the refiners are taking um, their share of that price per gallon. And then you've got what goes um, to the energy producers, and oil is a global commodity. And so the, I, I think my the, the reason I think it's so attractive is the energy market is one of the most dynamic in the world. It responds very, very quickly to changes in price, except for this time. Part hmm. of that's the war. Part of that is um, uncertainty about what long-term environmental policies are going to be. Uh, part of it is um, just the supply chain bottlenecks and, you know, whole rigs shut down because they don't have a key part. So there's a lot of hurdles, but the system is very adaptive. So are you thinking that we will see some relief anytime soon, or it's just too hard to predict that kind of thing where we stand right now? So um, there, there's generally a 60 to 90 day lag. Uh, a lot of different areas, Chicago being one of them, changes its refining refining requirements over the summer months. Uh, I think when we hit the fall, we're going to see some relief. I'm not sure that we're going to see significant relief till then. Okay. Well, take a a road trip a little closer than you might. We've got a lot of great places to visit just outside the Chicago area. We spotlight them here on WGN. So check one of those out that may help you. Okay. Got to get to this, Matt. Uh, You're a big picture guy. You also, you you manage $2 billion as well in equities, but but big picture here. Let's talk about this because we're seeing so much happen in this economic world that will affect all of us. And we're trying to decipher what's around the corner. You say this is different in terms of what you're seeing in the market. There are some new things popping up here that are capturing your attention. Can you define those for us? Sure. One of the the it, it's actually a joke in the financial markets that this time is different, and then you're supposed to see people who have more experience explaining to the juniors that it, it's never different. It's always the same drivers. But I think this time really may be different or at least um, unusual. So the first is inflation. Um, John Kadunas was talking about that. Uh, you know, we've gone from a 30-year disinflationary regime to inflation being a problem. So that's clearly different. One is the Federal Reserve. They typically start hiking rates early. They promise to be late, and they are. That's clearly different. Mm-hmm. Um We've already talked about COVID. That's different. We've talked about the war in Europe. That's clearly different. We've talked about um, changing environmental regulations that uh, that may be hindering price discovery in certain areas, or at least the industry response. That's different. Um, And then the Fed's balance sheet. Um, We've never seen. And by the way, this is global. It's not just here in the United States where central banks have gone crazy. They have done more stimulus in the last two years than we did for World War II. Hmm. So 
there's a lot of differences and a lot of things we're unwinding that we're just going to have to work for. So the, the key takeaway is that you need to, and I think we talked about this last time, it's hard to have conviction. So I, I want to encourage listeners to prepare more and predict less. We don't know how this is going to work out. I think we're going to get through it just fine. We, uh, you know, I'm optimistic for an awful lot of reasons. And the, again, the wall of worry, uh, it's certainly present. However, let's let's not um, be overconfident given all these uncertainties. You say you're optimistic. I like hearing that. I'm I'm an optimistic person. I mentioned to John Kadunas um, that I f- I'm also a realist, and we like to be prepared for what might be around the corner. You looked at that jobs report, and a lot of people got very hopeful because they thought, well, that doesn't signal a recession. And are we bracing for one? Are we already in one? Is it here, or is this going to be more of of a slowdown? Is this we already feel a slowdown? John explained. How do you see it? What do you make of what's next? So. I think the headlines are really misleading. We've gone from 7 and 8% growth, which is just not a level that the United States um, has grown at for decades. Uh, now we're, we're very close to zero. I'm not sure if we're going to fall on the plus or the minus side of that zero. But I, I would point to the significant slowdown as being important, not whether you label it a recession. Um, but that being said... I, I think a lot of the problems that we're dealing with are self-imposed uh, problems. So I do think the energy markets are going to clear. We just have to get out of the way. The supply chains are already clearing. Inventories are building. So there, there's a lot of reasons to think we're, we're going to get through this. Matt Freund, that's good to hear. Matt Freund is with Calamos Investments. I want to read something from the text line for you here, Matt. See what you have to say. Eight four seven. We just ticked out in euros are almost equal to the dollar. Should we buy euros now for a trip next year? Or do you think euros will go lower? The dollar is super strong. I was just talking to Bob Surratt about it this morning. He and his wife, Marianne, are planning a trip to Greece. And they said, well, you know what? The airfares are crazy expensive. The hotels are outrageous. Once you get there, though, maybe your dollar will go a little farther than you might expect. What do you think about the strength of the dollar? So when I first started, again, I I started in the late 80s. but I, I used to know a lot of uh, currency traders. They think the weekend is long. So <laughs> so when you talk about a vacation next summer, um, it is very, you know, no. That's a planner right there. That, I give them a lot a of planner. credit. So I, I, I like the the uh, the planning. Um, but, but the key point is a good one. I think that there's tremendous bargains. It is great if you are looking to purchase or visit Europe. It's also, also, though, a headwind for U.S. companies that are producing here and trying to sell into Europe. So when this earnings season kicks off, expect to hear a lot of earnings warnings and misses due to the currency. That's another thing. And again, that, that's another thing that's different. So we have an inflation problem. We've talked about that. Typically, in inflation problems, the dollar declines. So now we have an inflation problem and a strong dollar. Weird. That's, that's very weird. Well, it's because I think uh, we're the cleanest dirty shirt in the laundry that um, <laughs> Europe and Japan have much bigger problems than we do. So people want to put their money here. Yep. Uh, Matt, any closing thoughts here? Any final thoughts for folks? You have a wealth of knowledge. We only could get to some of these bullet points, but anything you want to leave us with here? Yeah, so I think the most important thing is to make sure you're being well paid for the risks you're taking. I think you have to know what sort of investor you are, what sort of time frame you're investing for. Uh, again, the old rules don't really apply. So, you know, when, when things are cheap, um, you, you don't have to rush in 
think incrementally. And what I do um, personally and what we do um, in the portfolios we manage is we'll establish a position knowing full well that it might get cheaper and always have some dry powder to add. So there's bargains out there. I think it's time to – oh, and then consider alternatives because – Again, traditional sixty forty. We don't we don't think that's going to work. Sixty quite stocks and forty right. bonds. We, we don't think You're that's not believing gonna, in that anymore. I, I uh, think it's going to struggle. With the last minute we have, address the people who are feeling so jittery that they're saying, "I'm going to pull everything out of the market." Yeah. What do you so say? all or none thinking is usually a mistake. So this idea that I am going to pull it all. Um, Again, it's it's the it's just as wrong as saying, "Hey, I'm going to put it all in." Um, that's speculating. That's gambling. I would push you back to think about your plan. Make sure you're being played for the risks. If you want to take some out, that's fine. Um, but there's also things to put money into that I would think about. Matt Freund, thank you so much for the perspective today, and it's good to see you again. Good for you. Good good of you to come in studio and hang out with us for a oh, little it's bit. It's been fun.